it is, as always, a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, let us, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, just for how you've already blessed us this morning, just with your presence. Our hearts are open to you, Holy Spirit. And we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us directly. We're asking you, Holy Spirit, to meet us where we are, Lord God. You are a gracious Father who so longs to touch our lives in this moment, Lord, through your word. And we're asking you to do it in the name of Jesus. And we're not asking you to do something that you do not desire to do, Father. This is all according to your will, Father. You want to move in our lives this morning. And we hunger and thirst for you, Lord God. And we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to deepen that hunger, to deepen that thirst for you. Because we know that there's more. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We are reading from... John chapter 15, and uh, just before this chapter here, Jesus announces that he is going away. He announces to his disciples that he is going away, and uh, he is bringing comfort to the disciples who are understandably afraid and confused. But here we see Jesus... Uh, while also bringing comfort to the disciples, he is bringing some instruction to them. And uh, I pray that you are blessed by this instruction here. And, and he is placing an emphasis on closeness with him. Closeness with Jesus. So he says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Let's just pause here. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Here we have another I am statement from Jesus. Uh, Jesus is declaring himself to be the true vine. And considering the cultural context of speaking to um, uh, a Jewish culture, uh, there, there are some verses in the Old Testament that declare Israel as, as a vine. Uh, just as an example, you're not going to see it up there. In Psalm 80, uh, uh, it says that, uh, that a vine has been brought out of Egypt. So Jesus here, while saying that he is the true vine, is also declaring that he is, as he already has, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true way to salvation. He is the true way to the Father, as, again, as he has already um, declared. He is the true vine. He is the true vine. He's calling himself the true source of salvation. But what we can also get from this true vine is the idea of a false vine. And that means something to us as a church, as believers. And we have to ask ourselves, am I connected to the true vine? Or am I, do I think I'm connected to the true vine? 
Am I connected to an idea of Jesus? Am I connected to an idea of God? Or am I connected to the true Jesus and the true Father? Again, Jesus being this vine that gives us life, the vine that we gain from. And we'll, and we'll answer that question of am I connected to the true vine in the later verses here. But it says here that my father is the vine dresser. Other translations point to him being um, a gardener. And that, that image I really connect with because I have the opposite of a green thumb. <laughs> the plants that I touch do not survive. If you ask me to house it for you and you have plants, I'm sorry, your plants are going to be dead when you come back home. It's just what it is. I don't understand it. It is not a gift that the Lord has given me because for most of the time it's just watering the plants. And I do it. But then I found out you can do it too much. You can overwater the plants. Me, my relationship with uh, gardening and planting is not, is not healthy. So, so, so I connect with this idea that the Father is our gardener. The Father cares for us. The Father knows. The Father is not guessing. The Father knows just how much care we need, how much sunlight we need, how much water we need, and all these other details, how to care for us in the different seasons of life that we experience. The Father is the true gardener. The Father is the vine dresser. And that brings great comfort to my heart, and I hope that it brings comfort to your heart if there, for any other uh, non-green thumb people in here. The Father knows how to take care of us. And, and a, part of that, a part of that taking care of us is here in, in, in verse 2. And it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Those who are not producing fruit, uh, um, I think that <clears throat> that can be an image of, of somebody who is not connected to the true vine. Those who are not producing fruit. And in the greater context of all of this, the, just what's happening right here, Judas is an example of that. Judas is an example. Jesus just finished washing the feet of the disciples, and then uh, 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 he's encouraging um, the disciples. And, and here we have Jesus <clears throat> uh, declaring true, true branches, branches that are connected to the vine and branches that are not connected to the vine. And here we have somebody, an example to us, someone like Judas, who, who, who seems to be connected to the vine. But unfortunately, he is a branch that does not bear fruit and will be thrown away. People who carry the name of Christ without carrying their cross are ones that are branches that do not produce fruit. Again, we ask ourselves this question, am I connected to the vine? Not just any vine, but the true vine. Because the Father is good. The Father is just. And he, uh, 
uh, he will separate those who are not producing fruit. But also in his grace for us, for those of us in this room who are connected to the true vine, he prunes us who are producing fruit. And this idea of pruning also also gives this idea of cleansing and cleaning. And and again, I I can't sit here to pretend I've already exposed myself. I know nothing about pruning. But those of us in this room who do, who who, who have a first-hand experience of pruning, uh, you, you, you are cutting down so that more can grow. Uh, because if you do not cut down, uh, this branch can get too heavy, too long, and it limits how much fruit can be produced on the branch. So in God's grace and in his mercy, he prunes us, those of us that are connected to the true vine. He does not prune the branch that, that does not produce fruit. He throws that away. But he prunes those that are connected to the vine. And we can view this pruning as an involuntary action, as, as, as something that we are not involved with. I think sometimes when we think about pruning, we're thinking about circumstantial things, things that are out of our control. We lose a loved one. We fall into financial hardship. Uh, the list can go on. Uh, and, and while, yes, we can view these things as God using circumstances in our lives to prune us, that isn't the only way. But for those that are in that, in a circumstantial pruning, we have to view that as the discipline of God. And, and I want to remind you of the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 12 that say that the Father disciplines his children. He, he doesn't discipline Ill, illegitimate children. But instead, he disciplines his children. In those scriptures, it, it says that our fathers, our parents, those that are not perfect, those that are not perfectly holy, knew to discipline us. How much more? How much more would a perfect, holy, loving father no to discipline us for our good. And it says, and this is encouraging because it says that no discipline feels good at the time. But it produces a holiness. And I would argue a holiness that only comes from the discipline of God. So are you in a circumstantial pruning right now? Things that are out of your control? Be encouraged because the God's hand is upon your life. It would be a problem, it would be a problem if God's hand was, wasn't on your life and God just left you alone. But God cares for you so much. God cares for you too much to leave you to yourself, to let you stay the same. And God cares for you too much to just let you just produce fruit, not just produce fruit, but he wants you to produce more fruit, more fruit. And that is the grace of God in our lives. That he would see us even in, even in our um, complacency. The Lord, in his, with, with his sovereign way and his loving hand, would interrupt our lives in such a way that feels painful. 
but is producing a holiness that can only be produced through this kind of pruning. And I, and, and I also think of the persecuted church. There hasn't been an instance where the church has been persecuted around the world and the church got smaller. Instead, the church grew. Instead, the church became more on fire. And we see that in the scriptures. People's faith became more on fire. It was a purification. It was a purification. Just some, just some history that, I've, that, is, that is just on my mind right now. In the early church, um, you know, we, we, we are a, uh, a, a Pentecostal church that believes in signs and wonders and speaking in tongues and prophecies and a, what you would call a full gospel church. We believe everything that Acts 2 has to um, offer, hence the name Acts 2 Worship Center. Uh, but there was a time, uh, especially in the early church, where... Uh, the government got a hold of Christianity, and uh, sp specifically the Roman government. And uh, what ended up happening was the pomp and circumstance of the government got into the church. And all of a sudden, those who claimed to be Christian got, were, were placed higher in society or, or, or got special favors or got uh, uh, just... just uh, there was a sense of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There was a, uh, there was just, there was just, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but, but uh, there was a sense of, of, there was a reward to be a Christian at that, at that time. So now all of a sudden, people are Christians, but they're not really Christians. People are following through with the pomp and circumstance of things. The church, the government was running services. The uh, uh, people were, again, doing the religious things, and that's where that's where the things like signs and wonders, and speaking in tongues and prophecy stopped in the church. You're not lying, man. That's the truth. And, and what ended up happening was there was a group of people, of monk-like people that separated from that church. And they separated themselves. And they were the ones that were writing about the move of the Spirit during this dry time. They were the ones that were writing about the speaking in tongues and prophecy. Why? Because they were connected to the true vine. And anytime, anytime uh, it becomes about power. It becomes about the image. It becomes about the religious activity. We lose the power of the Spirit. We lose the fruit. But God in His grace and in, in, in His mercy in our lives will interrupt us. God in His grace and in His mercy in our lives will shake our lives up. Well, because that causes a pruning, a cutting away. And we lose things in our lives that we're so connected to. And it hurts to lose them. But trust that God is doing a good work. Because we hold on to these promises, uh, like in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is the promise that you can hold on to as you are going through a pruning as a believer in Christ. Don't listen to the enemy. The enemy, the enemy wants to make you ask, Lord, where are you? God, why am I going through this? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? Why is there trial? Why is there tribulation happening in my life? And it's easy to believe, oh, it's because God's not with me. Oh, it's because God's not a loving God. That's just church talk. No, it's the exact opposite. It's because God loves you so much. God cares for you so much. He is so much of a gardener. He is so much of a vine dresser that he wants you to produce as much fruit that you can produce for his glory and for his kingdom. That if he left you alone, if he left you alone, you would not be able to produce the amount of fruit that he has created you to produce. We're created to produce. We're created for relationship and oneness in him. We are created for this. This is the purpose of our lives. And to live in a place of complacency is living a half-life, a life that is not to the fullest. But I also want to point to this other idea that is not necessarily just circumstantial pruning, but pruning through obedience. Because as we are saying yes to the Lord, we are saying no to other things. And we come to a place in our lives where, 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 where we have to choose. I'm going to say yes to Jesus on this, but by saying yes to Jesus on this, I'm saying no here. By saying yes to the Spirit, I'm saying no. I'm saying no to the flesh. And again, there's something to be said about being complacent about the fruit you are producing. And yes, you are producing fruit. But if you leave with anything that I say here today, if, if, you leave, if you go home with anything that I say here today, I want you to be reminded that there's more fruit for you to, be, for, for you to produce. There's more fruit for you. And there will always be more fruit for you. And Jesus says something interesting in verse 3. He says, of, uh, I'm sorry, of John chapter 15, verse 3. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. What is this word that he has spoken to us, to them specifically, the disciples? He's God. That he's Messiah. That he is Savior. This word that Jesus has proclaimed is what makes us clean. Again, just in the context of everything, it's so interesting that he's using this because uh, he's washed the feet of the, of the disciples and he has said, uh, you know, you are clean except for one of you out here. And then uh, he's, uh, uh, he talks about personal relationship and, and, and being the vine, and being connected to the vine as we're going to get into here. Uh, but this idea of being clean is not like Pharisee clean, like we're clean outside but dead bones inside. Again, religious activity stuff. But rather a, a, a clean that only Jesus can accomplish in us. 
It is His Word that, that makes us clean. It's His Word that, sanct that sanctifies us. It's His Word that prunes us. It's His Word that cleanses us. We'll see it over here in, in, in John, chapter 17, 17, John chapter 17, verse 17. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, where, uh, where it is mentioning Jesus' relationship with the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere Brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And here we have this idea of not just listening to the word, not just hearing the word, not being clean because, because, because Jesus spoke, but because clean because uh, 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 we are obedient to the words that Jesus has spoke. And how do we know that we believe them? because of our obedience to them. The pruning through obedience. By saying yes to Jesus, you're saying no to other things. By saying yes to Jesus, we are on a journey of being sanctified and being made holy by his word. You want to see more of God in your life? Be more obedient. You want, to see, you want to produce more fruit in your life? Be more obedient to the word. How do we be more obedient? I feel like, I think, I think sometimes we can come to Jesus like the rich man. It's like, Jesus, I've done everything. What else do you want from me? What else do you want from me? There will always be more. I want to be clear. I am not talking about a works-based faith. Our obedience doesn't, doesn't make us clean. Our obedience transforms us more into the image of God. This word and this promise and who Jesus is and faith in Jesus is what makes us clean. And we may be clean, but we need to be transformed. And that's what Jesus is pointing to here. We are clean, but we must be transformed into his image. And the only way that we can be transformed into his image is through obedience to his word and through the pruning that he does. We are clean in the eyes of the Lord, but we are also being cleansed. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're on this journey. We're on this journey. It, it, it is a lie of the enemy that we would believe, that's just who I am. I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a negative person. I'm, I just, you know, I can't hold my mouth. I just, I just got to say it. No, that's, that, that, that is the lie of the enemy. The Lord desires to prune us and to make us more and more like him. Why? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Here we have a call upon our lives to live holy lives. We have a call as children of God to live a life that would mirror Jesus' life. And we cannot do this on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We need the pruning of the Holy Spirit to be active in our life. Again, either through circumstantial things that are out of our control or by simply saying yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus and no to the flesh. Yes to Jesus and no to the ways of the world. This is how we are walking in the holy image of Jesus. We are not holy because of our works. We're holy because of the finished work of the cross and everything that Jesus has done. This is the gift of salvation for us as children of God. So, so he, he has called us holy, so we must be holy in, 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 in all of our conduct. Verse 16, since, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on his name, I'm sorry, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Because we're not home yet, guys. We're not home. It's not supposed to feel comfortable here. The Lord is doing good work in your life. The Lord is pruning you and it hurts. And there's suffering and there's trial here because we're not home. We're in exile right now. But we will be home. Earlier in chapter 14 of John, he comforts them by saying, I am preparing a place for you. I am going to a place where there are many rooms. And I am preparing a place for you. That's the hope that we hold on to today. In the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials, the Lord is pruning you. Nothing goes to waste with the Lord. Nothing goes to waste. Listen, it's different. It's different if we are suffering outside of the Lord. But when you are suffering in the name of Jesus, when you are suffering in your life and your life is given over to Jesus, the Lord uses everything for his glory and your good. That's the good news that we hold on to. Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world that was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls, this is what we read earlier, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, 
For all flesh is like grass, grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And this word, this word that has been preached to us is the word that prunes us, is the word that cleanses us, is the word that puts us in a place of producing fruit beyond anything that we could comprehend. There is more fruit for you to be produced, but there is more obedience for us to walk in. And that's what we have to say yes to this morning. We have to say yes to the obedience of God. And, and guys, it is beyond. It is, uh, the Lord defeated sin at the cross. Sin, sin has no power over any person who submits their heart to Jesus. Sin has no power over us. Sin has no power over us. We have been set free from sin. So I'm, talk, I'm not talking about a life that's only saying no to sin. I'm talking about a life that says yes to Jesus. There is a difference. There is a difference between somebody whose mind is only focused on not sinning versus somebody who is wholeheartedly devoted to serving Jesus with their entire life. And that includes, that includes our finances, that includes our families, that includes our jobs, that includes all kinds of relationships, that includes every aspect of our life. I'm saying yes to you concerning my wife, Lord God. I'm saying yes to you concerning my children. I'm saying yes to you concerning my job. I'm saying yes to you concerning my neighbors. I'm saying yes to you with how I conduct myself. I'm saying yes to you with how much time I want to spend with you. I'm saying yes to you, and again, in every aspect of our lives, let's be yes people to the Lord, not, not, not no people to sin, because when we're saying yes to Jesus, we're automatically saying no to sin. The focus is not sin. Sin has been defeated. Sin's been defeated. Sin has been defeated. You are set free. You're set free and you are walking with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Sin has been defeated. So now all of our effort should not be fighting sin. It's defeated. All of our effort is now saying yes to the Lord. The enemy is going to try and take our focus, our, 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 our devotion, our, just our eyes off of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. But we must fight and use our energy, everything that we have, to say yes to the Lord. Because when we are walking in obedience, we are abiding in him. Let's, 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 let's continue with that in, in John chapter 15. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, I just want to point to this idea of fruit and much fruit. I want you all to be encouraged today that you were called and created to bear much fruit. Amen. Not just fruit. Much fruit. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, 
thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know, I think we, I think we can take that verse seven right there and just, uh, and just, yeah, and just, and just run with it. Like, Lord, I want a million dollars. Ask for it in your name. Lord, I want the latest and greatest. I ask for it in your name. But Jesus qualifies that with the verses before. Abiding in him. And abiding, again, abiding in him is obedience to him. <clears throat> we, can't, we, can't, we can't be branches abiding in a, in, in a false vine and de- trying to declare promises over our life that have nothing to do with the will of God over our life. We're holding on to a false idea here to believe that God uh, uh, is like a genie. It's like a genie just with the three wishes. And God, but yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. I'm one of you guys. Let's get this money. That's just not how it works. So we can come to the Father. And so, so um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't just want to leave it there. But we can come to the Father asking him things in confidence. Because we know that we've been abiding in him. Father, I'm asking you for something that is impossible, but I can ask you in confidence because I've been, I've given my life to you, Lord. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Again, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Here, the abiding is directly connected with obedience to the word of God. Not just hearing the word of God, but being obedient to the word that has been spoken over us obedient to the word that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Messiah, that Jesus is God, obedient to that, and having that affect, again, every aspect of our lives. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And that is a promise that we can hold on to till the day that we die here on earth. To the day that uh, Jesus comes back. That my joy may be in you. And there's a connection here between the obedience to the word, abiding in him, those abiding in him producing fruit, and those of us that are producing fruit being pruned. Even in the pruning process, we can find joy because we are abiding in him. He says, I tell you these things. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may may be full. Don't let the enemy steal the joy of your salvation, which is the Lord. And, 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 And again, I am not trying to just preach over suffering. There is real pain that we experience. And some of us in this room are experiencing a real pain and a real loss. But the promise of God, not my words, the promise of God 
is that there is joy available to you in it. And the promise of God is that in this time of pain and loss and processing and pruning, you are becoming more and more like Christ. And he is with you. You are abiding in him and him and you. And Jesus promises, promises a love like that of the Father to him. For those of us who are abiding in him, he would love us the same. And he does. Hold on to your joy, church. As we experience trials and tribulation, as the world continues to go crazy, even more crazy, it's not, we know it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. Hold on to the joy that is promised to you. Hold on to the promise of the pruning process, the cleansing, because you are clean because of the word that has been spoken already over you. But the Lord loves you enough to cleanse you. The Lord loves you enough to prune you. The Lord loves you enough to use you for even greater things. Let's stand up together. Father, we are here before you with open hearts. We are here before you, O oh Jesus, that you would work your perfect will in our lives, God. None of us in this room desire to live a complacent life with you, Lord. All of us in this room desire to produce more fruit for you and for your kingdom and for your glory, God. But we know what that means. We know, Lord Jesus, that we have to go through a pruning, a process of cleansing, where, where your loving hand touches our lives in sometimes ways that are painful and in sometimes ways that we do not understand. But, oh God, we choose to trust you this morning. We choose to trust your word, Jesus. You said you would not leave us as orphans, Lord God, but you would send a comforter. And that comforter, Holy Spirit, you dwell inside of us. Oh, Jesus, have your way. Have your way in us. We're taking you at your word that when, that when you said, ask anything in my name and it will be done. Why I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you have your way in us, Lord God. That you cleanse our hearts, that you purify our hearts, God. That you cut away the things that, that are not producing fruit in us, the things that we love in our lives, the things that are distracting us, the things that, that, that uh may be good for us but are not God for us Lord God God cut these things away from us Lord Jesus our hearts are open to you this morning come and have your way Lord God come Holy Spirit we know we know God come search our hearts God. we know Lord there are things that we are unaware of and we invite you Holy Spirit to prune us to purify us to sanctify us, Lord God. We desire to be holy because you are holy, O oh God. 
We desire to be obedient to you because we desire to abide in you, O oh Jesus. Only you can do this work, Lord Jesus. Only you can do this work. If you are in this place and you, and you desire greater fruit, you desire greater pruning, you desire a holiness like you've never experienced before in your life, you want to, you want to, you want to completely submit yourself over to the pruning process, I, I invite you to the altar here. I invite you to the altar here. And let's just spend time with the Lord, our hearts completely open to Jesus. Father, you see your people. You see your people here this morning. You see your people, Lord God. Your people hunger and thirst for you, Lord Jesus. Your people, Father God, desire your holiness, O oh Jesus. We are in right standing because of the cross. We are clean because of your word, Father God. But we invite you, Jesus, to prune us. Again, cut off the things in our life that should not be there, Lord God. Cut off the things in our life that are dead. We submit to your process. We submit to your loving hand, oh God. You, the gardener, the vine dresser, your careful hand who cares for us. You're all that we need, oh Jesus. You're all that we need, Father. Thank you, God. Yes, God. We're here before you, Jesus. We're here before you, Jesus. You hear our cry, Lord God. Do a work in us that only you can do, Jesus. Do a work in us that only you can do, Jesus. Purify us, oh God.
by your grace and mercy I'm saved you're my future you're my hope you're the anchor for my soul oh and I was made Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father.
Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Messiah, to you alone, my praise belongs, Christ exalted over all, to you alone, my praise belongs, Christ exalted. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sharabo Rabasandalaranya. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power to cleanse and restore, forgive and deliver and set free. Thank you, Lord. 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 As you feel a release, you can dismiss yourself. It's hard to just say everybody's dismissed. I don't think everybody's ready to be dismissed, but as you feel a release and you're ready to be dismissed from the service, go ahead and do that. There are still some around the altar. Ministry is happening, so let's of course be sensitive to that as you, as you slip out. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 